Welcome to the Pod Show, episode six. Yes. Episode six. Our and sixth there's no episode. question mark after episode six. It's yes. just going to be it's episode six. Episode six. It's 2020. Our first episode of 2020. Yes. Pretty much the first podcast episode anyone has ever heard in 2020. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> no one's heard of anything else in 2020. No. This is Although the first of them late. all. Yeah, this this defines 2020. This is what 2020 is all about, is creating pod shows and um, create just creation in general. Yeah, 2020 is an important year. It's a leap year, and leap years are always years of creation. That's why there's one extra day in a leap yeah. year. I'm kind of making that up, but it feels right. <laughs> it's also the Roaring Twenties yet again, so it's, it's time to party and put your uh, party hats on. What? Dress in your 20s gear. <laughs> flapper is that style just how it goes now now that yeah. we have style by decade we just repeat those 10 yeah. styles so we're gonna work it's time each to century. pull out your flapper dresses ladies um or men or men <laughs> i mean it is 2020 come on yeah that that is what's changed another thing that's changed is that we now exclusively only cook and eat french food yeah, that it, it's the only thing that will touch our lips. Nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> but we have discovered French food this pa- the past few weeks, and we're really digging it. I mean, we only went to we went to like two French restaurants over the past month. We went to two French restaurants, and we started watching a French cooking movie that is all right. Julie and Julia. I've seen good. it like twice before. I guess it's pretty good. It's like a light-hearted movie, yeah. um, and it's just cool to see. Julia Child's life. It's also kind of inspiring because Julia Child didn't really start her career until her, like, 40s or 50s. So. Good for her. Good for her. And so she kind of came from a similar place to, from us, is that she just really liked to eat food, and then she just, like, you know, slowly learned how to cook on her own. Well, then she went to and Le Cordon Bleu. Yeah, I think she went to Le Cordon Bleu. Yes. So. Why are we talking about French food? Because we made a French recipe. Well, I did. Yes, I didn't even make Mike it. Mike didn't have time to really join me in on it, um, but he, you know, was there to taste and provide feedback. Well, we have a lot to say about the final results, but first, <laughs> let's introduce the recipe. Is coq au vin, which means chicken braised in red wine. Coq au vin. Is that how it's supposed to be said? Coq au vin. Um, so yeah, it's uh it's basically just chicken braised in wine, mushrooms, bacon, and um pearl onions. And oh, yeah. uh I kind of changed it up a bit because I didn't have all the ingredients. I didn't have the bacon and I didn't have the uh, the pearl onions. They weren't available at Whole Foods. So I kind of I took out a few ingredients. I think that kind of affected the overall outcome. Like it made it a little bit less like rich. It could have been more flavorful if it had those ingredients, but whatever. It still tasted pretty good. Um, also, the wine sauce wasn't reduced enough, so it was kind of like a little too liquidy. It wasn't as like concentrated and tasteful. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it was yeah. kind of a water, more watery. Yeah, that was such a important step that I completely missed. I just thought, oh, I'll take the chickens and braise in the wine. Like cover it and that's it. But what I really should have done was reduce the wine first, like to half of what it was, and then add the chicken and then covered it, simmered it, and at the end take off the lid and reduce it even more. But I didn't do any of that reducing 
So it kind of just it came was non reduced. Yeah, but other than that, I thought it was pretty good. Also, I thought the um, the chicken could have been crisped up a bit more, but it was like anyway, an improper fraction. On to the recipe. So this is what you do. To make the recipe, you, you traditionally use a full chicken bird, but I only use the thighs <laughs> because that is, like, the most, like, succulent part. What? Sorry, I just thought chicken bird sounded very f- funny. <laughs> the whole bird. Like, not yeah. just, like, one part of the chicken. Like, the whole bird. That's how you traditionally do it. You, like, chop it all up into a bunch of different pieces, inclu- including the breast, the legs, and the thighs. Um, and then you throw into a pot with wine, but I just use thighs because from reading mm. other recipes online, it, they say that the, just using the thighs is just fine and it's like the most like delicious part of the chicken. So that's what I did. I just used the chicken thighs and I salted them first. What? And the chicken thighs are pretty inexpensive. Yes, for like four pounds of them, it was like $5. I think it was on sale. So chicken is pretty cheap. I wish we liked it more than we do because we'd be saving a lot of money. Because beef is not uh, not cheap, is it? Beef is more expensive than chicken. But it's so good. Beef is better than chicken. Anyway, so with the chicken thighs, um, I salted them first. I think it would have been better if I could have salted it up to a day in advance, but I didn't have time. Like I was, I got this all all my ingredients like Monday after work, so time was limited for me. Salted them for like maybe ten minutes, and then I added them to a bowl of wine three cups of red wine and uh i from what i've read it's it's better to like have them soaking marinating in that wine for up to a day but i again i didn't have any time so i only did it for like 30 minutes so i think by you know marinating it longer would have helped like with the adding flavor to the chicken yeah probably would have changed it but yeah so traditionally burgundy wine is used but i just use chianti because that's like what we had in the apartment um, and in addition to marinating it with wine, you also add a bay leaf and thyme, like the herb thyme. <laughs> and then, yeah, so I only marinated for like 30 minutes, but it really would have tasted better, I think, for like up to a day. Um, so while that's marinating, you got to cook the veggies that will be braised with the chicken and the wine. So what you do is you take, you, you should have like a large Dutch oven, but we don't have that. We just have like a, a soup pot. Um, mm-hmm. So in that soup pot, you add uh, fat and then you cook the, um, I use just like ghee. Um, and um, in with that, you put the uh, carrots, onions, and mushrooms. And then you saute that up and you, you get them brown. Um, but traditionally... You wouldn't use just like any regular fat. You would use pancetta or lardoons or bacon. What's a lardoon? I, I think lardoon is the same thing as bacon or pancetta. Like in the in oh. this recipe, they use that. It says like you could use either one of those three. Okay. Um. So traditionally, you would use that as the fat to saute the um vegetables. The vegetables. Um, but because I didn't have it, I just used ghee. And then after you saute the bacon until like you render it, so the fat gets into the pan, you take the bacon out and then you hold on to that bacon until the end of the recipe and you put it, you crumble it on top. Hmm. So 
traditionally the bacon is more like infused into the braise because that's the fat that's used to cook the veggies and the chicken. But yeah. because I didn't have it with me, I just use regular butter. And also it adds a little crunch on top traditionally because you put it on at the top, but whatever. Um, so you saute the veggies and with the veggies, you also add a little bit of salt. Um, and it takes like eight minutes to saute. So basically you're just trying to get all the veggies that are going to be braised with the chicken, like browned and like, um, you know, just slightly browned. Um, and you're also taking out some of the water from the veggies. If there's, if you put raw veggies into a braise, it's not good because it's going to add more like liquid and water to the braise. Um, Mm. because the, the, um, water isn't as cooked out. So it's always good to saute the veggies first. Um, and after those are sauteed, you add the garlic and the tomato paste at the end because garlic burns quickly, so you don't want to be cooking, sauteing that for too long. And the tomato paste, like, adds, like, you know, it, it just adds a little bit more flavor. Um, and then after that's done, you move from the heat. And you're supposed to, in this recipe, and traditionally you're supposed to add brandy to the veggies, and hmm. then you light it on fire. Oh, my God. But, um... I didn't have that either, so, like, no brandy. <laughs> or fire. <laughs> no brandy or fire, but I guess that adds more flavor to it. I just completely took that out. I guess um, it kind of, like, chars them. Yeah, it chars them. Um, That's intense. Yeah, and uh, so I didn't do that. So after the tomato paste and the garlic, I just added the wine that I used to marinate the chickens back into um, the pot with the veggies. Um and then you're supposed to, I just did that and then I add the chicken in and then I start braising. But really what I should have done in that step was reduce the wine, like bring to a boil and reduce the wine to like mm-hmm. halfway um, before adding the chicken in. And that would have helped the water evaporate. It would have helped the concentrate more, but I didn't do that. Um, anyway. Live and learn. You know what I realized? I missed an essential step. What was the essential step? Um, so I just talked about like sauteing the veggies, but I didn't talk about um, cooking the chicken, pan searing the chicken. So before yeah, before you that even is an essential step before yeah. you saute the veggies, you pan sear the chicken in the pot um, to to crisp up the skin. So after the chicken is done marinating in the wine. Uh, you then dry it off with a paper towel. You mm. got to make sure it gets really dry. Yeah. Because um, if, if if there's water in the chicken, it will um, the chicken won't crisp as easily, and it's more likely to steam. And you don't want that. You want a crisp skin. So you you take out all the water. You add the chicken to the pot, and you um, sear on both sides about like five minutes to side. Make mm-hmm. sure it gets really crisp. Then you take out the chicken, and then you put in the veggies. And again, like I said before, the fat that's used to pancer the chicken is the is the um, is the bacon, the rendered out, the bacon, rendered out bacon. So, so that that happens before the vegetables, and then the vegetables go in that yes. same thing. The chicken got seared in, yeah, and yeah. the bacon fat is preserved. The, the bacon whole way fat through. is preserved the whole way through, okay. and the bacon is just taken out, and it's not used again until yep, like yep. the very end. Yeah. So. Oh wow. That was. Super important to say. <laughs> I completely like. I, I was That's thinking right. like the veggies and then the chicken, but it was really like the chicken. You have to pan sear the chicken first, then you add the veggies in. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, okay, now after pan searing the chicken, sauteing the veggies, adding tomato paste and garlic, you add the wine, you bring it to a boil, you reduce it. That's really important before you braise the chicken. I can't stress that enough. You mm-hmm. really want some flavor. Um, and then, um, 
You also add in a tablespoon of flour. I think this could be optional, but I did it and it helps thicken the sauce. So I recommend doing that. Um, so after you reduce the wine, you add the chicken thighs in and then you cover it and you let it simmer and braise for about an hour. So it's not too long actually. Um, and uh, then after an hour is done, you take off the lid cook it for another 15 minutes to reduce it more. So you're just trying to get more of that water out and concentrate more of the flavors. Then you're done and you plate it and you put on top the bacon. And if you, traditionally in the recipe, they also pair it with like sauteed pearl onions. So like before you were to take the, the chicken out, you could like saute the pearl onions and like additional mushrooms just to add more veggies. But Again, we didn't have pearl onions, so we didn't we didn't do that step. But that's it, Kalkovin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it was totally like a me episode right there. I think you did a good job explaining it. I did, yeah. It's a it's I a lot of steps. Well, because I didn't actually like cook yeah. it at all. But from what you were saying that whole way through, I feel like I understand it pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm happy I was able to explain it right. I mean, and essentially, I got to, I got to hear things that were how you did it where you're sort of thinking like we don't have this stuff yeah. as an ingredient we'll do it this way for now but then as you're like talking through the traditional way you're kind of saying which things yeah which things you kind of shouldn't take the shortcut on like maybe the bacon yeah would have made a big difference so it's, in a way i'm kind of glad parts. i did the shortcut mm-hmm. because now i know why the ingredients in the traditional recipe are important like mm. the bacon I think the pancetta like is important because that that would add additional flavors, saltiness that I feel like the dish was in the end kind of lacking. Bacon. It was like a good dish and that it was, but it wasn't as flavorful as I feel like it could have been. And I think that would have had flavor. And also, I think reducing the wine would have. That was the biggest thing that I, I really feel like I learned from this is that like, when they're saying like reduce the wine, like. If you're following recipe and it says that, it's important because it's like you're really just concentrating the flavor, taking the water out. You don't want your dish, you don't want your braise to be watery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now I'm thinking actually like now that when I'm after this recipe, I've been thinking about braising overall. Like a lot of times when we braise things in the crock pot, like the liquid sometimes is a little waterier. And I wonder if that's because it's tough to, like, reduce the liquid when it's in the crock pot. Oh, it's covered. Yeah, because it's just covered. So maybe that's an issue with using a crock pot. Like, the liquids could, like, Mm. be more watery instead of concentrated. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you got to evaporate that liquid if you want it to dry up a bit, right? Yeah, yeah. that's what's happening. I would think it evaporates. And when there's a lid on it, it condenses on the top of the lid. It goes back down. It doesn't escape. Yep, exactly. But you want it to be more like making like maple syrup where you take like 40 gallons of sap and then you boil it and it turns into one gallon of syrup. So yeah. like you just lost like 39 gallons of water or, yeah. or things that are at least not the, things that aren't the sauce as much. Like yeah. Water, water is not sauce, right? <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. It's not. That's, it's that's what I was thinking about. The whole recipe is just trying to kind of like, like essentially it's just chicken braised in wine like that's a really simple way of explaining it but like there are a lot of steps in between to make sure that the flavors are concentrated yeah and you want to take you're essentially taking out the water mm-hmm. and you're putting you're 
concentrating in the flavor like in, in, in so many ways like with the chicken when you salt it that yeah, takes out the water yeah I was gonna say the day ahead salting thing and the time day of salting, salting would probably play into drawing out the chicken before cooking it would be said drawing it was a step yeah yeah and then all, yeah and then also like drying out the chicken before you pan sear it also sauteing the veggies like you don't have to do these things but by sauteing it you're you're taking out the water you're browning it you're adding flavor um it's crazy how much like heat plays a role in in just accentuating flavors and foods like mm. all these ingredients by themselves are like pretty bland but when you like squeeze out the water and mix it with a bunch of other ingredients they all just kind of come together like the sauce essentially just like ends up being like wine mixed with like meat juice and vegetables and <laughs> all this stuff it's kind of cool <laughs> yeah it is pretty cool and um yeah and and it, but the, i think braising can be scary for people because we're just so used to like i think in our culture just eating like a breast like a pan a roasted steak, yeah. or something that's uh pan seared yeah it's not a lot of other things i didn't have many braises growing up you could you know you could bake something and roast something in yeah. the oven or on the stove top it's uh getting generally like high heat they're just being sauteed or yeah something, but we don't usually go out of those two methods i guess because braising takes longer it takes it a lot longer it definitely takes time i think it i think there's more ways to screw it up maybe too yeah there definitely takes, is maybe it's just not uh known well enough for all of us maybe if like if braising was normal in our culture we wouldn't think it's hard i don't know yeah like i don't have any friends it that seems I to know be more of an like art form it's kind of an art form yeah it is um i i don't think i've ever really braised anything yeah well you braised things with me yeah but usually i'm the one doing it the thing is it's tough for you to help because a lot of times if i'm doing it after work like you know it's later and like you're still at work and mm-hmm. you know, time to help but we've braised um chuck roast too which is pretty good um and also oxtail yeah <laughs> are you laughing you got something in your eye i've had you? something in my eye for a couple hours now and i don't know what it is <laughs> i wasn't laughing at you <laughs> i know it's like it's it and now i don't feel it and then all of a sudden like i move my eye in a couple of different ways and then i feel it again so i don't know yeah i hope it comes out yeah. <laughs> Me too. Me too. It's not fun to have something stuck in your eye. Yeah, it's not. But anyway, um, it, it's there's definitely an art to it. And I guess, too, like, you're spending so much time invested in this meal, and if it, like, you know, comes out shitty, and, and there's more likely to come out shitty, I guess, with, like, a braise. There's so many more steps in it that can go wrong that people, like, are afraid that it's, like, a waste of time. Yeah, bra- braising is more intense. Yeah. That was it, a pretty intense recipe you just outlined today. I guess it is. I mean, it's funny when I look at something like that, I'm like, oh, an hour, like, it takes two hours. Like, I have enough time to do that today. But I feel like to um, other people, they would look at all the ingredients and be like, shit, that's a, like, intensive um, meal. <laughs> well, even just the steps, they're all, like, pretty specific. Yeah, yeah. And, um... Even, like, add the garlic later on, like... Yeah, all that stuff. But I feel like, though, too, because I've been cooking, like, every day, I kind of, like, since I'm not used to how things are, like, I I kind of, like, know for myself, like, oh, yeah, you add the garlic at the end. That's usually how um, recipes work. Wow, you're an expert. Not an expert. I've just (laughs) been... When I've been reading recipes, 
like with this one, I read like five, six different versions of it because I wanted to see. I wanted to see what are the main elements of this recipe. Is this is one recipe just adding bullshit in, um, just to be like a little special, and someone else is like you know like everyone like kind of tinkered it a little bit, and it, yeah, and so like by looking at a bunch of different recipes, I could see like okay, like what is actually necessary for this recipe. And, like, what's the bullshit that, like, is optional that could, you know, be good for based on your preference but not mm-hmm. necessary. Um, and that's what I do a lot with when I'm looking at recipes. Um, like, in the New York Times one that I read, it said, like, to um, take a piece of bread, pan fry it, cut it in half, and then, like, make it into a triangle and then dip it in butter and then, like, put parsley on it and then put it on the, in the middle, like, one tiny triangle piece of bread. Oh, my God. And it was just, like, seemed, like, so ridiculous. Like, that is just not a necessary part of this recipe. It's not a New York Times recipe if it doesn't have a weird floopy-doopy thing that doesn't matter and takes forever to do. Yeah, yeah. Or even, like, the brandy part. Like, I saw some recipes didn't use brandy. I saw other ones use brandy but not do the lighting on fire thing like apparently the lighting on fire only just like it burns the alcohol quicker that's that's why you want to do that um so yeah Hmm. i feel like but that 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 is a way to learn how to cook is just like looking at a recipe and looking at looking at it done in a bunch of different ways and trying to like look at like what is the commonality between all these things and that's why i think i like salt fat acid heat because what her book is is essentially just like distilling down the main components of like a good recipe four things and it's and it's something we now think about all the time um is this book like i always get the order of the four things wrong really i always want to say fat acid salt heat really yeah salt acid i always want to say salt acid fat heat but it's ordered salt, fat, acid, heat. Yeah. All right. I wonder if she mulled over that order. I don't she know. She was thinking of the title. Actually, of the I actually think in the recipe, I mean, in the book itself, it goes from like salt to acid and then fat. So it's oh like God. the order in the book is different than the order There's of some the sort title. Of conspiracy behind this whole thing. But if you guys are looking for a good cooking book, I recommend. Um, Salt, fat, acid, heat. <laughs> By who? By Samin Noserat. I have no idea how to say her last name, and it, it when you look at it spelled as an English speaker, it almost looks like it says Noserat, and so I say Noserat <laughs> kind of obnoxiously when I probably should be nicer to her last name. Yeah, but I just think it's good in that, it like, and it encourages people to like. I feel like it encourages people to just try cooking and like to enjoy it's giving, it it's giving you guidelines instead of um completely scripted yes follow every single step so it's a little more free form it's giving you the tools yeah. instead of making you do the drawing and that's what i'm looking for with cooking i'm just looking for the tools like things to know and then you know giving yeah basically teaching program you want to yeah you want to be in control of what you can and cannot do in terms of cooking sometimes i look at other like cooking blogs and i feel like most of them are just like this is exactly how i did the recipe i don't (laughs) i don't but i i I feel like they don't like teach you like why you have to do those steps and like why you must cook the chicken like they'll be like oh you have like 
cook it at this temperature and this time, but it's like you don't have to cook it at that temperature at that time. And also, you could cook it in other ways, you know? Like wow. You could pan sear it, you could whatever. How rebellious. <laughs> <laughs> you, only, you only like punky kitchens. Punk kitchens? Punk. Yeah, yeah I guess so. <laughs> it's like punk rock, punk cooking. Yeah, I I don't like I don't like the following the rules thing, that's for sure. But for being such a punky kitchen, we never play the Ramones while we're cooking. I just feel like the problem right now is that, or the thing that I feel like needs to get across is that anyone can cook. Like it's not you just need to know a few basic things and then you can go from there. It's like a lot of stuff. To do it, you have to do it. You know. Yeah, you it's gotta just do it. Simple, but. You have to try, and you have to be bad for a while before you're going to be good. Yeah. Sorry. That's the way life is. And so, like, not every meal you might have might be perfect, but there's something within the act of cooking itself that's worth the time. Well, you make mistakes, and you learn from mistakes. It's not like we learn from other things. Yeah. So you got to get used to making mistakes and enjoying it. And then you'll be like, you'll be like, uh, Emerald Legacy. Yeah, that's a big part is, like, to I bet accept. I made mistakes. I think that's something I've learned through cooking is that, like, I make a mistake and I, I have to learn to accept it and, and deal with it. Like, I'm just going to, like, even with this recipe, this cocoa bean, I, I tasted, like, mm, missing, missing some things. But mm-hmm. I just, I was like, this is still edible. And it was a learning experience. Like, I try to see, like, what can I gather from this, this, this event? Yeah, you have to, you have to make friends with your mistakes. And so I learned a lot. And now that I learned a bit, my dad's going to make the recipe today, and I have tips for him on how to... Pointers. Like, Let me tell you. <laughs> Speaking of... Oh, that was Pei Chow. Okay. Um, shout out to Pei Chow. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's the thing, I think people need if, if you could learn to, to look at like the positive positivity of the whole cooking experience instead of just like eating itself um and i think just kind of embracing the creativity aspect of cooking like enjoying like seeing what you could put together and like recognizing like what you like and don't like and like working with that find your cooking voice yeah <laughs> Find your cooking voice. How much, how much, um, how many ounces of love have to go into Coco Vent? Um, I would say... <laughs> At least 12 ounces? Yeah, maybe, maybe 16. Wow. <laughs> or is it one pound per pound of chicken? I was, I was, did I look like I was like really focused on the, what did it, what did it seem like I was going on with me when I was cooking? Was I intense? This is... I don't know. I don't know if I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Did it seem like I was pouring my whole heart into the dish? I think I got home when you were to the point of just, like, kind of braising it. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I was about to put the chicken in the, um, in the like, braise. Yeah. So I think a lot of the more um, involved aspects of the cooking process were already done. Yeah. For me to witness. I feel like, too, I was kind of rushing it um, mm. because I got back a little later and I fasted all day. So I was kind of like, and looking at food, I was like, ooh, I want to eat it. So maybe that's why. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's why. It's also Martin Luther King Day, so. Oh, it was Martin Luther King Day. I was very reflective about him 
What did you think about him? Nah, I, mean, I wasn't actually really thinking about him much. <gasps> um, I really, um, I think he was an important person in history, American history. I like that quote that you sent me last year of his. Yeah. What was it? I don't know. I have to guess it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't really want to dig for something right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I. The, the, that's another thing that's important with cookie is the, like, it's not gonna come out as good if you're being a little impatient. Yeah, you can't rush it. Can't rush it. There, I mean, it'll be okay. You'll be able to eat it, but it's just not. Might not be as good. You can't rush it. Yeah. <laughs> no one ever was happy with rushing something. Yeah. No one in the world looked back and was like, "Man, I'm so glad like I rushed through all of that." Yeah. I, I'm so glad I wasn't focused on the one thing I was actually doing in that moment. <laughs> like, no one no one looks back and thinks that. Everyone does it in the moment at times, and people do it at varying degrees, of yeah. course, like people are, but, like, no one thinks back to places and is like, oh, I really shouldn't have taken my time making that wonderful, like, dinner. I should have rushed it and, and yeah. cut a, a couple corners. At the same time, like, you need to pick... I feel like people need to pick the right moments and times in their life to go out and, like, try and cook a really long meal. Like, don't try to do that on a busy night. Yeah. Like, try to do it on a, a night where there's some time and space for it. Like, be context-appropriate. Yeah, that's the thing. And, that's something we learned in GTD. sensitive and careful to your own, like... Yeah, that's something we've learned in GTD is that with projects, like, determining when you should do... When you're trying to determine when you should do a project, like, you should really consider the context and like time and place like is this the time and place for me to like do this project properly right um and maybe cock on me on monday night wasn't after fasting wasn't the best idea but i really wanted to create something different that week um and we had a busy week ahead we so. did have a busy week so but i don't regret because you know what too now we have things to talk about with that recipe like you know what else what our positive spin on all of that. Uh, it wasn't actually bad food. Like, it didn't taste bad. Um, yeah, I actually I ate would, it for lunch the whole yeah, week. Yeah, I would say it actually tasted pretty good. Maybe yeah. not as good or exactly how you expected it to taste, but it was pretty good. Um, but we're going to try and seek redemption on a similar dish that's not the same, but is similar. Beef bouillon. Beef bouillon. <laughs> Maybe we should do it for the next episode. We oui, we. Oui. <laughs> um, but yeah, because you were, you had beef bourguignon the other day after having cocoa bean. Yes. And you said, "Wow, this is a similar dish. It's just it's beef instead of chicken." I'm sure there's some other differences, but maybe not a ton. Yeah, so they are the we same. Could try, <coughs> excuse me. We could try and transpose all the lessons we learn. Yeah. Into beef bourguignon, and if we do it very well, if we do it properly, maybe. We will redeem ourselves. Yeah, actually, looking at the um, recipe for it now, it's it's literally like the the sister dish, like the exact same thing, but just with beef. Um, and so it's going to take longer <coughs> to cook because beef takes longer to cook. Um, maybe we could do that like the Sunday or something. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Time. Not this Sunday. This Sunday is Super Bowl. Yeah, on Sunday. Um, that would be a good plan. 
Um, but yeah, the restaurant. <coughs> Pardon me, I have a tickle on my throat. I think the biggest thing I noticed was that it's it, that a thicker sauce, like a more reduced, concentrated sauce. They reduce. Maybe add a little sauce. more flour to it. Maybe there's more flour. Maybe there's more reducing. Yeah. Yeah. I had a tickle in my throat. From what? I don't know. Did the flurry from my eyeball go into your throat? Yeah, I think so. It's just irritating everyone today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still holding it. Do you want some water? No, I already. Oh, I had a little bit. (laughs) Okay. You could have more, but. um, It's also one of those things where once I feel like I'm going to cough and I focus on it, then. Yeah. The cough is harder to resist. Mm hmm. <coughs> there we go. That's the last one, I swear. Um, yeah, I'd like to try to make beef bourguignon one day. Beef bourguignon. I'd like to learn more about French cooking overall. Yeah, you're on a French cooking tear. Yeah, I mean... What is it about French cooking that brought you in, though? I think the time place I'm in my life, like, it's, it's I'm just, like, ready for French food. Just because a lot of it is, like what we've essentially been cooking at home, which is just, like, a meat with, like, a like a lot of butter, <laughs> like a butter sauce. Like I feel like that's a lot of French cooking it, like, butter and, like, some kind of, like, meat or, like, fish, and I'm really digging that nowadays. <laughs> okay. I don't know how all that points you right at French cooking, but... Um, I don't know. I feel like they're, they're like, they use a lot of butter in their dishes more than other... Cool. Maybe it feels cool to be into French cooking, too. But I guess there's a lot to... I think that's that's one of the main yeah. um, culinary things. To, like that's one of the main um, cultural foods taught in culinary school. Yeah, like Le Cordon Bleu. French cooking. Yeah, and it's. I don't know if I know much about French and French cooking. I don't know either, but you could you need to start researching some books or something. Oh man, I have researched a few books. You have. I have, haven't I? Yes. I followed up on my research. I didn't pick anything. But. Yeah, well, reading one thing now, I'll read that next. What are you reading right now? Reading GTD, Getting Things Done. By who? Dave, Dave Allen. David Dan, Allen. Or Dan Allen. David Allen. David Allen, yeah. It is. It has been quite a interesting... Um, it's a productivity book. It's a productivity book. Yes, Yay. it's a productivity book. I'm trying to learn how to be um, better organized and bit more efficient with my time and to, like, there are a lot of different things I want to do, a lot of projects I want to work on, and um, imp- using this tool makes it easier to get that stuff done. Yes. So essentially how it works is, like, getting things anything done that's is on a your mind, like if, you're, if there's things on your mind, then you can't focus at the task at hand. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you write down everything that's on your mind. So any, any idea you have, like, because you can get it out of your head. Once so you this includes like events that you have, like things that you have to do, projects you want to accomplish, like, you know, like just anything even that's philosophical, in your head, like anything that's changing. in your head and, and bouncing around just any random. Thoughts. Yeah. And you write it down and then you, you then categorize it. Like, is this um, something that I could do within the next two minutes? If so, that would be categorized as like a next action item, which means that like you should do those things as soon as possible when you have the time. Then 
you could also categorize things into projects and projects are things that take more than two steps. Um, so that could be a lot of different things. It could even be like cleaning the apartment. Um, it could be beef bourguignon. And beef bourguignon. And with those projects, you want to like break down the steps that you need to do in order to accomplish them. Um, and and then, you want to be specific. Yeah, you want to be specific. Because why? And you want to be specific about the outcome that you want from that project. Because mm-hmm. if you don't know exactly what you want from that, then then you're going to be very confused and like stressed out like when thinking about that project. Well, and you won't know when you're done. Yeah. You don't know what the end point is and how can you know when you're finished. Yeah. So first, when you look at a project, you want to think, well, what do I want out of this? And then you think, what is what is the next step I can do to get to this outcome? And then once you think of that next step in relation to the outcome, all the other steps kind of come a little bit easier in your head because your brain mm-hmm. is pretty good at organizing as long as you got like the outcome clearly like stated. Mm-hmm. Why do you get stuff out of your head? Um, so that it's not like floating around in your head. Like if, if you don't have things written down, then there's mm-hmm. always going to be this feeling of like, I feel like I should be doing something else because there are all these like, he calls them like open loops, right? Right. They're just like these things that like you feel like you need, but you never like put them down. You never they thought start about nagging what, at you when yeah, you don't. Yeah, you never thought them. about like what. But they're vague. What they are, like, what do you want from that thought, and like, how can you? What is the next step to get to that? The I forgot to pick up cat food. Yeah, I forgot to pick up cat food, or like, um, or even I notice that works sometimes. People will like propose ideas about things, and then there's never like. Like, that idea is just, like, a weird idea, and there's no, like, actual outcome, like, visualized outcome of that idea. And because there's no, like, outcome, there's no, like, next step. Okay, okay, what is actually the next step we need to do to get to the outcome? And then that idea just never ends up getting implemented. And I think that it just happens all the time in life. Like, we'll just, like, say shit and, like, not actually, like, think of, like, what that actually means and, like, how to get to that. Um, So this has been... I mean, I haven't finished the book yet, but it's been, like, so, like, um, mind-blowing for me. Like, it's been so helpful. I have it on my – I have these categories on my phone. And it's, like, all the things I want to do next that my next – the things that I can do, like, within the next two minutes, like, next action items and all my projects. And, like, I don't know. Anytime I have you an idea, organized. I just write it down. Yeah, it's so good. And your head feels clearer. Yeah. Okay. I was so inspired by it. Um I was. I know. You're, you're campaigning right now. I am because I it. think, like, mm-hmm. when you're doing life, like, you should be just focused at, like, the current thing that you have to do instead of, like, thinking about all these other fucking things. Like, you're not actually – you can't do anything about those things right now. Like, mm-hmm. you're supposed to be doing the thing that you can do right now. It's good to declutter your mind and get present. Yeah. Um and that art we you you print out an article about the book about like the the science behind the GTD method and I thought that was really interesting a lot of interesting points in there as to like why that tool like actually like makes sense with like who we are as humans mm-hmm. um, in that like what was the example they gave with the um, the um, ants in the article. Um. Stigmergy. Yeah. It's just a word that means something to the effect of leaving a trail behind that 
gives a clue as to what to do, more or less. Like, so ants have, I think it's just pheromones or some kind of yeah. chemical smell thing. And they all leave that behind wherever they're going. Mm. I don't know if there's different kinds of it or if it's all the same kind, but that signals to other ants to either, you know, go towards this direction because you'll find food that you can bring back to the colony soon. Or if there's not enough of that in that uh, trail somewhere, then ants know not to go. Yeah, yeah. So it's mapping, essentially. It's a map. Mapping. What to do. So that's why it's important to for us to... If you don't have a clear picture of what you, you want to do, you can't do it. Yeah, yeah. Now, the picture doesn't always start out really clear, so sometimes you have to start, and then the yes. picture will get clearer, but... Yeah, and that... It's unsettling to not have a clear map of what's going on, and then you get into a fear mindset, and that's obviously not good. Yeah. Um, your, your, your body is not focused and working in a harmonious way. It's kind of in bad zone. Yeah. Fight or flight response. That's why I think partially why people get very anxious about stuff, because they're, they don't have like a clear idea of like what they actually want, and like um, they're... They feel doing. out of control they and they don't know how to get in control. Yeah, because they're just so confused as to like what do they yeah. actually want? What is their vision? Well, so so I'm gonna do my own little summarizing of some of that stuff too, mm-hmm. partially to um, kind of wrap my own head around it again for myself. But I think a point that we didn't hit for this whole getting things getting things done methodology, which is just all it is is a workflow. That's all it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a way for any person to organize information in their life so that they are less stressed out and more productive. Um, that being said, one big aspect to it is that you are just taking things that are going around in your head as in thoughts, and you're going to take all those things and put them on paper into some sort of, it doesn't have to be paper, but that's usually very easy. You can use pen and paper anywhere you are. Just somewhere where it's on external memory, not in your head where you really have to remember it because you can't remember a ton of things. Yeah, and so no, that, one, no one can. I think some people think they can. Sure, they can. yeah, no one can. Yeah. yeah we know that. We have, I mean, we have computers. Like, mm-hmm. no one is a computer. Yeah. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so you, you do that. And part of the effects of doing that is that it gives you space inside of your head to think clearer. And and that is a big-time stress relief. Mm-hmm. When you don't have a million thoughts going around in your head and you're not sure what those thoughts really are. Because once you get something out of your head and onto paper or any kind of reliable external memory, you can relate to it better. You can see it and just think much clearer about, okay, that thing is, is too big of a task for me to do I need to think of all the subtasks to complete that order them and then I'll just check them off and I'll be done with the bigger task at the end of all of that but when it's just in your head it's very hard to kind of work through all of those steps so you're kind of giving yourself the advantage at every possible moment by implementing at least some sort of information organization um, habit in your life yeah yeah it's really, it's really, um, it's really practical. Um, it's, it's been really awesome. Mm-hmm. And he goes over in the book too, like, not just like the, um, he goes over like 
when you're creating a project, like how do you, um, how do you, how do you, what are the steps in like going about that project? Like you want to first like think about like what your purpose is for this project, like then your principles. So like what, what are your values? Like then you want to think about like, what's the vision? What do you want? What do you want from this experience or this project? Then you um, brainstorm ideas on how to get it implemented. Then you get organized and then you put it into action and like, it's it's he like has all these steps so that like you can clearly think like from like top down like how should I be looking at this project like um, and if you miss one of those steps like say you don't really know what your principles are then you might the the project might not turn out in the way that you want to you might not be sure why right so the long and short of our little getting things done spiel is that it's it's more or less a framework and mindset that helps people deal with everyday stress much better. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Yes. It's changing lives. All right, it's 2020, everyone. <laughs> 2020. Roaring 20s. Roaring this 20s. This is episode number 2020. Just kidding, it's episode number six. Like us, follow us, <laughs> review us. Uh, only review us if it's a favorable review. And if not, <laughs> we're very scared and, and we don't want to hear from you ever. Please, please write that review and hide it in a box and do not share it with the world. <laughs> That's not that funny. I, I thought it was, it was funny. So we were very scared. <laughs> yeah, because we don't have too many reviews. So one bad one would really mess us up. Yeah, if you could yeah, just like message us and tell us why you have a problem with us instead so that we can fix it. <laughs> Instead of being reflective in our no, overall I'm, rating. I'm denying all negative feedback. <laughs> yeah, only positive. Mm-hmm. That's what this whole episode's about, is just being positive. Coco bon. Coco bon. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.